Are you a college student looking for better guidance on how to figure out your life after college? Maybe you are slowly looking at jobs, or maybe you are finally getting around to editing your resume, or maybe you are just getting anxiety awaiting for the question at the next big family dinner, what are you going to do after college? Yep, I've been there. That's why I created my career ebook guide to help guide you on the path to young adult life in your post-grad career. From custom resume templates, ways to improve your LinkedIn, cover letter examples, top interview questions, and so much more, it's all in my ebook guide, which you can find on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog/shop. I'm Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Well, hello everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome back to another bonus weekly episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. If you are brand new here and if you're not, of course, welcome back. And on today's episode, it's a solo one and I really felt inclined to share these lessons because over the past I would say year now, I've been a lot more focused on understanding my personal finance and how to spend and invest more strategically. Now, I will say I'm not actually giving away any investment advice, obviously, per the title of the episode, but I will say there are some core lessons and themes that I learned from Kevin O'Leary from watching his YouTube, listening to interviews he has been on, and of course, just observing his I guess, decision-making process on Shark Tank when it comes to business. And I want to preface as well, even if you aren't someone that is business savvy or wants to be an entrepreneur, I do think all of these tips will be very applicable into your life if you are someone that is looking for some sort of guidance on personal finance and being more independent in that area. So with that being said, let's dive into today's episode. So the first lesson I've learned from Kevin O'Leary, this one being more of a personal life lesson, it is to always tell the truth. And yes, I recognize this is something that we should always be doing, but let's be honest with ourselves. We even tell white lies and we sometimes have that instinct to kind of not necessarily lie about ourselves, but maybe say something that's like half true when we're meeting someone that we want to impress or when we want to say something impressive about ourselves. I recall that way back in my day. I'm grateful that I've evolved and over the past couple of years, I have practiced just this brutal honesty version of myself, which I do feel a lot of alignment with Kevin in. But his lesson in that is... Because, well, for a couple of reasons. First is if you're lying, you have to remember what you said. Because if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember necessarily because when it's the truth, you're going to automatically know, right? If someone were to ask you, let's say you lied about where you went to school and 
another time their friend asks you where you went to school, if you give an honest answer to one person, but then you lie to the other person, but then you realize it, you're going to have to try to remember what you said about like which school you lied about. You know what I mean? And I think that is something that that's just a very arbitrary example, but that could just be in anything in life, right? So I think that's so important because I think, well, not I think, I know it can bring anxiety, especially if I were in that position where I had to remember what I said to someone in order to keep my story straight. And that just ends up bringing us more stress than we really need. So if you are someone that you can admit to yourself that you kind of do this or have done this in the past, I would recommend to look within and ask yourself, you know, why am I saying white lies or why am I lying to people and catching myself in this mess and of course Kevin being a business leader and entrepreneur he does say this is so important to apply not only in business because you never want to lie to a business partner or to any people that work with you especially your customers because once you lose that trust just like anywhere in life it takes a long time to get back trust is something it's built over time and we all know it because i'm sure we've had someone in our life where we essentially caught their lie and we felt really i guess just it just didn't feel the same after you know what i mean so this is also in personal life and dating and relationships kevin actually surprisingly shared about time i think he said that he had you know, pretty much cheated on his partner, who I think is technically, I think she's still his wife, but I don't think this was when they're married. I think this was like when they were dating. So he did say he was able to save it, but he learned so much from that because he didn't admit the first time when I guess he was, he didn't really elaborate on the details, but I think for him to admit that he lied about not being faithful he said that was a mistake in itself, that he should have just owned up to it the first time, you know, she had asked or rather even just be upfront and say it and say, hey, I did this and this is on my heart and mind and I need to share this. And I think he also mentioned too, like being caught a liar is worse than just like owning up to it because when you're caught as a liar, it takes you down multiple levels because just like, you're, you're caught, you know, whereas if you, you own up to something and you say you did it or even when they ask you, you just tell them the truth because at least they can respect you for admitting it. But then it's just a double whammy if you did something wrong or bad or, you know, with not good intention and integrity. And on top of that, you try to lie about not doing it. So I think that's a really important life lesson that I felt inclined to remind everyone about because I feel very aligned with him in that essence because I think I can get shit for for being really truthful in the sense where I can sometimes say things in such a blunt way where people start to say this is again probably more of like family members that think I need to be softer or I need to be more of a you know, X, Y, and Z person. And I love that Kevin O'Leary, even in business especially, it he kind of says it to your face, but you look at it in a framework of where 
if I'm telling you the truth, like this is a great example where I have been, you know, told I'm not a great person for this, but I would say otherwise. I think if a friend asks me if her outfit looks good or if she, if she looks pretty or um, if she needs to lose weight, that kind of thing, like I will always give honest answers because I don't feel as though I am serving as a real friend if I don't tell you the truth or at least I don't tell you the truth in my perspective. Now, of course, it always comes down to how you say things, but either way, I will be upfront about it and then suggest a solution as well. And I think that's also a tip I would have just as a tangent about my value of friendship and how I seek my friends to serve me and vice versa. Um, And again, this is something my mom disagrees a lot with me on is just my brutal honesty. But I think I intentionally seek for friends that can take that honesty from me and would, would desire that. And, you know, for them to do the same for me, because that's the only way I can level up in my life. And that's the only way my community in my circle can level up as well. Because if you are, you know, again, I brought this up on another episode, but if you're taking your SAT test or some sort of um, exam to get into college or to get your master's, if someone lies to you and says your score was a certain score, but it was actually a lot lower, then that's hindering you from actually doing the actions you need to take in order to improve to get a better score in the next exam, right? So that is my perspective when it comes to business and dating and friendships and anything in personal life. When someone asks me for my opinion or when they ask me to give an answer, I'm just truthful and honest. And even if it hurts, well, at least what I will do as a friend or whatever position I'm in, I will always offer a solution as well to help the person receiving, you know, the message a a way to improve because I think that should be people's end goal. Although I will admit, I know it's not always viewed as that within the moment. So yeah, that was a little bit of a tangent, but we will go on to the next one, which is writing three things you have to get done on sticky notes and put it on the mirror for each day. So I would say this is probably a personal life lesson as well, but more so on how to be effective and efficient within your day. Now, I have yet to actually try this, but I will say I have done similar activities where I feel like the core reason why he writes down these three things to get done before he actually starts his day for work or answering text messages and things like that is first it gives you a short deadline, right? You know you can't start your day until you do these three things. And to me, that relates to Parkinson's law, which is what I apply into my life and Parkinson's law actually let me read it from the book so in case you're wondering where I learned this from I've learned this from Tim Ferriss's book four-hour work week and Parkinson's law as he mentioned in his book it dictates that a task will swell in importance and complexity in relation to the time allotted for its completion It is the magic of the imminent deadline. If I give you 24 hours to complete a project, the time pressure forces you to focus on execution. 
the end product of the shorter deadline is almost inevitably of equal or higher quality due to greater focus. So like I said, I haven't tried his three things, you know, putting it on a sticky note on your mirror as you're brushing your teeth in the morning. I haven't tried that yet, um, but I've tried the Parkinson's law thing, which like I said, I feel like is very similar in the sense where I'm giving myself a short deadline to complete something before I start my day. So maybe I have, I'll write down like on a notebook instead, something I have to get done before I touch my computer or touch my phone. And he advises to write this down the night before. So I do want to try the three sticky notes on my mirror thing because I do think that'd be so helpful for me. And I think something I'm very open to implementing too because I'm very adamant about discipline is that I could perhaps share this with some people on my team and let them know and say, hey, this is like one to three things I need to get done tomorrow morning. Can you text me at, you know, 8 a.m. to see if I've completed those items yet? And if not, I owe you 20 bucks, right? I think that's something that is an interesting way to put discipline on yourself because in my eyes, if I'm not forcing myself to do it and I'm not pushing, putting the pressure on myself and allowing others to keep me accountable, then I'm never going to do it. And so um, for me, something in the past too that's been difficult is definitely touching my phone in the morning, going straight to my email inbox and sometimes going straight to my computer after my workout. And I do want to have a slower start to my day. So I've been able to implement that over the past I would say two months now, but I do want to, again, always improve that process. And so having those three important items I need to get done, it could even be laundry, right? Or putting your dishes away, just mundane items that you know are a lot harder to do midday. I try to do first thing in the morning. And back to the Parkinson's law thing, I would highly advise in that or at least in trying it, where you implement a really short deadline on something. So I'm talking like really extreme deadline. If you feel like you have a goal where you're going to put it to a month, I'd say put it to a week or maybe even less. I think for anything I put out as a week goal, I try to do within 24 hours now because I do completely agree with this concept is that if you give yourself more time to do something, your focus is not there as much because you know you have so much time left so you tend to dwindle around go on your phone and that is actually again sorry tangent on this part but that is actually why i don't utilize eight hours of my work day to work for my corporate job now i'm sure if anyone from my corporate job hears this they're probably saying wow fuck you you're supposed to be working eight to five here's the thing i get it but a couple couple concepts to realize here one we work remotely now and this whole world has seen we can and very much be efficient working from home secondly we have to each understand what our work style is and if the goal of work is to produce efficient and effective outcomes for me if i'm doing that in a range of four to five hours versus eight hours then it shouldn't necessarily matter in regards to 
like how that plays out on like oh she's not doing it right because she's not doing the full eight hours well the reason why is because like i said parkinson's law when i give myself only four hours or again i time block too so when i'm sitting down to work i only do it in you know one hour chunks or two hour chunks again depends on what i'm doing and then i get up and go do something else i move on right because you want to give yourself these short deadlines like if you know all right you only have one hour to make you know 50 dials or something because i work in sales you know you're going to focus your shit you're going to put your phone on do not disturb you're not you're not going to respond to text that kind of thing but if you look at it where you're like oh i have the whole day let's be fucking honest here most of us would probably scroll on instagram for a little bit respond to that text message you know, maybe go on Snapchat, like, I I don't know, right? But like, that is our gut instinct when we know we have enough time. And then it's always like, again, even in college too, when you had an essay due or a project due that Friday, but it was only Monday and you're like, yeah, I've got time, right? So you kind of always wait till the last minute to do it. And when it's last minute, that's when you start to go crunch time and you really focus and and really hone down on what you need to do to get that done and submit it by midnight. I remember those days. I've had those moments as well, but that's why now I try to be really strategic with my time and not let too much time, um, I guess, let me rephrase that. I try not to give myself too much time to do something because I can lose that sharp focus for it because I realize I have an abundance of time. So if you think of that, concept of scarcity and abundance when you realize you have an abundant amount of you know whatever you I guess in essence partially treat it with less value but when it's so scarce you're like oh my gosh I need to get this done or I need to buy it or I need to you know whatever so sorry for that tangent but that's I think just a long-winded way of saying find a way to make your top two to three priorities for each day get it done first thing in the morning before you touch your phone whatever method you need to do he recommends putting it on three sticky notes on your mirror and you can see it first thing when you wake up when you're brushing your teeth washing your face etc okay the third tip is financially related and i really like this one because I think for those who are younger and in college, this could be pretty useful to just start to think about. But he says invest at least 10% of your income. So he says at least, right? And I would say if you aren't savvy with investing or you're not, not knowledgeable about the differences in stocks, in bonds, and ETFs, all of that, I would recommend just look into his app, which is called Bean Stocks. I wish I was sponsored by that, but um, shout out to you, Kevin. But yeah, his app is called Bean Stocks, and stocks is spelled S T O X, so B E A N S T O X. And that's just a similar app to, I would say, like Acorns and other ones. But I would say um, it's probably much more efficient for people who are not really that keen on investing and aware of just how to swing trade and day trade. So if you're not, I would recommend just look into that. Do your research um, and watch YouTube videos, actually. I would recommend watching YouTube videos of people giving their reviews on Beanstalks and the comparison on other apps but an example of saving 10% of your income would be if you make a thousand dollars you should be investing at least 100 
I would say this is such a doable amount because I'm sure a lot of us out there actually are spending that 100 versus that 10%. And um, I think it can be easy to think, oh, I should save it instead. But um, I'll get into savings on the next bullet. But I would say definitely if you are someone who is a junior or senior in college, especially definitely get knowledgeable in investing and learning how to allocate your money aside and not use it for that Starbucks or that shirt or jeans that you've been really wanting, like that kind of thing. I know it's really tempting because I love, you know, uh, spending on the nicer and finer things in life as well. But I will totally admit that I got into investing probably towards the end of my junior year of college because I wanted to understand and I wanted to learn how my money can grow because having your money just sit in your savings account, if you don't need it in a three months span, I would not be keeping all of it in there. So I won't touch more on this investing aspect, but I will say 10% minimum, especially when you're getting out of college, just keep that in mind. He does also elaborate on, you know, where it depends on where you're at, you know, if you have some debt like credit card debt or student loans, that kind of thing, that can also be a different scenario. But ideally, it is if you, I guess, if you calculate just the interest you're paying and then vice versa with what you the compound interest you would be getting with investing instead, that is also a way to calculate if that's the right time for you. But if you're not in debt, and you're practically spending, you know, $800, $900 of the $1,000 that you make, then you should be really thinking about how you can take 10% or 20% if you can and start to invest it because your future self will thank you. Okay, and the last and final tip from Kevin O'Leary that I've learned is to have at least 90 days of savings. So as I mentioned on the previous bullet, I'll touch on a little bit more about what I've learned from him regarding savings. I feel like different people will say different time frames of how much savings you should have. I, I've heard people say six months. I've heard people say eight months. And um, Kevin O'Leary is one that has said 90 days. And I forget why he, I think he did do a breakdown as to why you don't necessarily need, you know, six months of savings. But he did say at least 90 days. If you do feel like you're someone that tends to get in riskier situations with finance, then it is probably better to have closer to six months of savings. But um, if you want to calculate how much three months would be, all you really need to do is calculate how much it costs you to live for three months, which includes rent, food, utilities, those kind of necessities. Um personally I wouldn't say I would cushion in your personal spending because this is savings and this is called like an emergency fund and I know this was brought up a lot during the COVID pandemic because a lot of people didn't have much savings and you know I, I do think each person's situation is different but I do know most of you are in your early 20s, mid 20s as well, and we're all at different parts in life where we're understanding our finances, but I do 
put a heavy emphasis on this one because I have had to use my savings before to pay like parts of rent and just in times when my business was doing slower and things like that and that is also why I do stick to that 90-day rule because you know I wouldn't say I'm that much of a person where I'm like a risky spender so that I need like you know a lot more to save up but um I would say the minimum to have is 90 days and invest the rest so I guess like I don't want to make any actual recommendations on like if you were to be making a thousand dollars how much you, you should put away to save and then how much you should put away to invest because I think it really comes down to how much disposable income you have and then you can evaluate that because you still have to pay your expenses and whatever but again if you are in college right now definitely think about this aspect of finance and also too if you are working part-time in college or you know you may let's say you have an allowance from your parents and you have leftover money my advice is to actually save that for your future after college when you might need that savings personally i'm going to be truthful here i did that when i was in college i worked three part-time jobs i was a figure skating coach i was a tutor and then i also had an internship for a digital marketing company and so a lot of that money of course i used you know to spend on myself and for dining and whatnot but i did have quite some you know i don't want to say leftover but just amounts where i didn't fully need to spend it so i put that money away that i for sure used in my first year out of college and just had it from my savings or i used part of it to invest and whatnot so um, that's something to keep in mind as well if you are unsure of where you have money to take from to put aside to save just consider what you're spending on right now and the, the type of income you have right now whether that's a part-time job internship or you do work full-time maybe start to re-strategize how you can allocate your finances so that you can be in a better position moving forward and that was all for today's lovely bonus friday episode i hope you learned something interesting from my little solo spiel i know i kind of I don't know if I would say it went surface level, but again, I think finance especially can be kind of touchy. And so I don't want to say any kind of recommendations, but I do think there are certain guidelines that are really helpful for those in your early and mid 20s because finance can be a scary topic, I would say. And so if you want to learn from the best, which I think Kevin O'Leary is someone that's really firm and pragmatic in his finances and when it comes to money and business i feel you know like i said earlier very aligned with his mentality about it and how to go about dealing with his money so i would take my advice from him so again hope you enjoyed and as always if you could take a quick 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast on apple Podcasts, you all know how much that means to me but one more thing before you head out be sure to be on the lookout for my first merchandise drop. It's coming next Wednesday on the 14th. Be stoked for it because it's going to be limited edition, aka once it's out of stock, it's completely gone and most likely not coming back. So yeah, keep an eye out for it. I think you guys will find this product super useful and it'll be available on a website that will be linked 
on the Instagram at what fulfills you pod. So be sure to follow along there so you can keep up with all of the updates. And for now, I will chat with you guys next week. Bye.